We have staff devotions here on Monday mornings um, every week, just a time to gather and commit our week and ourselves again to the Lord. Pray for the church, pray for each other's needs. The Monday before Thanksgiving, our campus uh, media director, Michael Bell, it was his turn to lead um, the devotions that morning, and it was just a small group because it was Thanksgiving week and many people were already gone for the holiday, and, uh, but he walked in and he had a jar with him. And because particularly it was Thanksgiving, he began talking about the fact that in the home in which he was raised, his folks always had a jar there with uh, something inside that was, were indicators of God's faithfulness to them, and they could always walk by it and be thankful for what God had done. And they would always uh, be able to remember what the Lord Jesus had done. It might have been a miracle God had performed in their life. It might have been any kind of expression of grace. And I have to tell you that that uh, devotion that he gave us that morning, it really resonated with me, and I was profoundly moved by it. And I know that one of the reasons is that I now have two granddaughters, who, by the way, are here this, to this evening, and two precious, beautiful granddaughters. And as Becky and I are, uh, as our family is enlarging to the third generation of us, um, it does change things a bit, and you grandparents understand what I'm talking about. And so certain things began to emerge within your heart. And I was drawn to um, the fact that the scripture says in many places to, that we are responsible, those of us who are believers, those of us who have recognized the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God in our lives, that we're to pass that on to our children. They're to know what God did in our lives. I, you know, I did a, a quick search, and I probably found eight or nine scriptures that I, I could say to represent that, but let me just give you quickly a couple from the Psalms. In Psalm 71, uh, verse 18, let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles miracles to all who come after me. In Psalm 78, the psalmist says, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. So I began thinking of all of this and, and, and that sense of responsibility that my generation has to pass on to the next generation and looking at what Michael did in that, that devotion. And I began to think about the importance of symbolism. You know, our, uh, the scripture is full of symbols. Sometimes we call it types and shadows, full of, of scriptures that remind us of, one thing reminds us of something else. A symbol is a natural vis visible expression representative of a supernatural encounter. It represents something else that takes place. In Christianity, we have lots of symbols that we, that we use. Water baptism is a symbol. Uh, it is a representation, it is, a, it is an outward representation of an inner work of grace that has taken place. When someone's life has been transformed by the power of Jesus and the instruction from Scripture is clear, you're to be baptized and in water. So we immerse them, and the representation of that is the old man is dying, but they are being raised to life, to a new life in Christ. It's a symbol. In just a few minutes, we're going to observe Holy Communion, the other ordinance of the church. And really, communion is, it is a symbol. We were reminded by Jesus. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember. Symbols help us to remember what God has done. It is a representation of my body and my blood. Then we will close the service tonight with yet another symbol, and that is candle lighting. 
And as we light the candles tonight, that's going to serve as a reminder to us. It's going to point to the fact that Jesus is the light of the world. He is still the light of the world. You got anything better than that? Thank you very much. So I want to take just a very few minutes tonight, and I want to uh, use the Scripture, another Psalm 103. It's one that I know you know so very, very well. The first five verses, which says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives my iniquities, who heals my diseases, who redeems me from death, or redeems my, redeems my life from destruction, some versions say, who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercy, and he fills my life with good things. And to do that tonight, I want to show you my miracle jar. Now this was when I decided to do this, I thought, who am I going to get to decorate that? Well, I solicited the help of the one and only Kimber Campbell, who was extremely talented, gifted and talented. As you walk in the north entrance, you see her work on that, um, on that hall. And I'm sure after tonight, you may want to get your own, and she's available to do this for you for a mere $250. <laughs> Actually, for $250, I'll do it, but, um, but you wouldn't want it. I want to show you the things that are important because to my family and I. Very, very important. If you will pardon my personal testimony with this, and much of this, those of you who are regular attenders at Bethesda, that you've heard it. But my purpose in bringing this to you tonight is to maybe encourage you, not just about sharing my own personal story, but maybe encourage you that you may want to do the same. You parents... You have an obligation, a responsibility to pass on to your children what God has done, the faithfulness of God, the miracles he's performed in your lives, what he has done. You need to do that. So you may want to do a jar. You may want to do a box. It doesn't matter. You do a bucket or a barrel. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, I encourage you to find some way that you put something in your home because I have done this for Kensington and for Soren. When they come to Papa and Bibi's house, they're going to see a representation of what God has done in our life. It was 1947. I wasn't here yet. <clears throat> but I heard the story many, many times. My grandmother, Edna Opal Smith, who, by the way, was related to General Omar Bradley, my grandmother had been sick for two years. She hadn't walked. She'd eaten almost nothing, very, very little. And she would be carried, she had not walked in two years, she would be carried from the bed to the couch, the couch to the bed, the bed to the couch. One Saturday night in 1947, <clears throat> she stayed on Saturday night and she asked my grandfather, we all called him dad, said, just leave me on the couch tonight. No particular reason. She just asked to be left on the couch and he went on to sleep in the bedroom. And she tells me, and I've sat at her knee and heard this story many, many times. And she said somewhere in the middle of the night, around two or three o'clock in the morning, she said, I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me. And it was this, daughter, get up and walk. She would have been, she was born in 1904, so she would have been about 43 years of age. And she argued with the Lord and said, but Lord, I've not walked in two years, and you know that they've said I'm going to die. There's no way that that could happen. And she said a few minutes went by, and the voice came a second time, this time even stronger. 
daughter, get up and walk. Lord, I can't possibly do that. So it came a third time. And finally this time it was much more intense. Lord, and the Lord said to her, and I command you, arise and walk. And she knew at that point, because of her fear of the Lord, her knowledge of the Lord Jesus, that she didn't have any option. And so she said, Dan, I was Danny then, Danny, with everything I had, every ounce, and she was probably maybe 80 pounds at that time. She picked up the one leg that she had that she thought be, could stabilize her maybe a little bit, and she picked it up and flopped it over on the ground. Nothing happened. She got the other leg, and when she got it maneuvered, and the minute that foot hit the floor, all I can tell you is what my grandmother said, and that is the power of God surged through her body, and she was in an instant gloriously healed completely. So in the Smith Miracle Jar is a couch. We will have this. That's it right there. This is representative of a couch my grandmother was lying upon when she was doomed to die. And death came knocking on her door. But the Lord said, no. By the way, do you have pictures to show of my grandmother? I think you do. See when she was being carried up there in the top left? And the one in the bottom center was the very next morning, Sunday morning, because after she had been in, lay and not out of a bed or a couch for two years, the next morning she got up and went to church with my grandfather and walked down the center aisle. She's just mischievous enough that she waited until they got into the second song of the song service. And that's when she flung the doors open and the whole church knew she had not walked in two years and she walked all the way down. Can I just tell you they had church that morning, what I'm told? Now, just to emphasize this just a bit more, not that there's ever been a doubt in our minds, but um, put up that other, that won't be able to, I'm gonna read it to you. We got a doctor's statement from her. That's the one from the family, the family saying, she's about to die, we don't know what else to do, please pray, all of that. The one on the right is the one I'm gonna read to you. Independence, Missouri, August 18, 1947. Mrs. Floyd Smith asked me to make a statement as to her condition and her sudden recovery over the last three years. Mrs. Smith took to her bed about the middle of February 1945 and remained there until August 3rd of 1947. During these years, Mrs. Smith suffered very much. Many times in the last eight months of her illness, I gave up hope of her ever recovering. Mrs. Smith had what is scientifically known as paralytic illness, paralyzed bowel. In the last two years, she had been able to only take very small amounts of liquid and was fed by, by vein many times each week. On August 4th, I went to the home. This was back when doctors made house calls, and he went once or twice a day to administer um, morphine to her. I went to the home to make my call as usual, and much to my surprise, Mrs. Smith met me at the door. Of course she would. <laughs> Here's what's important. Mrs. Smith did not recover because of the help medical science gave her because her condition was hopeless without surgery, and she refused that. She refused it because they, it, they had told her she was too weak to even go through it. And I want to be careful to say I'm all for medical science, and I thank God for it. I'm just reading you the doctor's statement. She did not recover because of the help medical science gave her because her her condition was hopeless without surgery. She was healed through a power stronger than medical science. Respectfully submitted, Dr. A. F. Lewis, 1947. <laughs> I 
That's the miracle of healing in our family because Psalm 103 says, he heals all my diseases. 1974, I call this the miracle of divine guidance. He fills my life with good things. I had just moved to take a position at church in Rockford, Illinois. And then the pastor, I'd only been there a couple of weeks, and the pastor asked me who he, by the way, he owned an airplane and he was a pilot. And he was taking himself and five, the five board members on, uh, on a mission trip. They were going to South Dakota to build a chapel for an Indian mission there. And uh, he asked me to go. He said, you and I need to get better acquainted and so on and so forth. And I said, okay, I packed my bags to go. And, but that Sunday night before they were to leave on Monday morning, he said, you know, I've changed my mind. And he said, I, I, I think it'd be better if you stayed here and he had another project he wanted me to work on. I said, yes, sir. Monday morning they left, they flew to South Dakota, they worked on that Indian mission all week long on Friday as they flew back in his private plane. The plane went down over his hometown in Albert Lee, Minnesota, and that church lost its pastor and all five of its board members. I was supposed to be on that plane. Now this is not a private plane, but this is in our miracle jar because this is part of the miracle of our life. Death came knocking on my door, but the Lord said no. And someday when my granddaughters are old enough to know, I want them to know, if the Lord had not guided my steps, they wouldn't be here today. Would not have happened. But the Lord saw differently. And I want them someday to place value upon the miracle working power of the Lord Jesus. 1993, the miracle of protection. Our Psalm says he redeems me from death. Don't be alarmed at this but I was on my way to Mobile, Alabama. And I was held at gunpoint in a hotel room. I did not know the lady who had asked me for a light for her cigarette at the bottom of the stairs was following me up the stairs. After she asked me three or four times, I finally firmly but somewhat politely said, no ma'am, I don't have a light. And so I went on up the stairs thinking she had gone on her way, not knowing she was softly coming up behind me. I put the key in my door, and as I did, I see her arm come around. She slaps the door open, gets in my room, and is standing in the middle of my room. And I'm trying to figure out, my first thought was, well, if Becky calls right now, this is going to be hard to explain. <laughs> and about that time, her counterpart, a male, came around the corner, and he took me by surprise. He slapped me on the back of the chest, back, on my back, sorry and pushed me into the room and then shut the door and pulled out this gun and held it at my head for about seven minutes. Told me everything he was going to do and it certainly was gonna take my life that night. But all I can tell you is a miracle of God that he did not do that. I was sure that my, I was in my last few minutes if not seconds of life. But I'm telling you, the psalmist is true, he redeems my life from death. And the testimony I have and the miracle that my, I want my granddaughters to see is that God is faithful even if you are at the point of death and someone's trying to take your life. Because I pled the blood of Jesus over my life in those seconds while he was holding me. And I'm thankful for the faithfulness of the Lord. All of those things have happened and they are wonderful miracles. But there is no miracle greater and the miracle of salvation and the coming of the Christ child. You've heard me say this often, but he left the splendor of heaven. He had everything. He left it all, and he came to redeem you and me.
I don't think anything says it better than one of my favorite old Christmas hymns. I've had Janelle to sing it for years. It says this, his were the planets and stars in the sky. They were all his. His were the valleys and the mountains so high. He had it all. His, all earth's kingdoms from pole unto pole. But he became poor to ransom my soul. He left everything and he shrunk and reduced himself just to fit into our galaxy. And then he shrunk and reduced himself more to fit into our atmosphere. And he had to keep shrinking and reducing himself until finally he fit into the womb of a virgin to fulfill the prophecy that had been given. And he did it, dear friend, for you and for me. Only love could cause a God like that to do something like that. Can you say amen to that? And the final fulfillment of his purpose and plan and the greatest miracle is the plan of salvation and what Jesus has done on the cross. I'm gonna ask the ushers if they would come, please, and administer communion to us. It's going to be a symbolic act for us because we've been told to remember what the Lord has done. You may want to formulate your own miracle jar because you have your own journey. You have your own circumstances of life that you have had to deal with. I'm sure if we were able to tonight to open the, the floor, open the microphone, we would hear story after story after story after story of the miracle working power of God. I want to be faithful to pass this on to my children and to my grandchildren so that they could look at that and say, I had faithful grandparents who loved the Lord who gave witness to the testi- and gave testimony to the faithfulness of God. God kept them every step of the way. Amen.